0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello, and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the MAC6 Entrepreneurial Center, right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. I'm Karen Nowicki, and I am looking forward to our conversation today. We have two phenomenal guests in our studio. David Martinez III, Director and Strategic Community Partnerships with Vitalist Vitalist Health Vitalist Health Foundation. Welcome, David. Thank you. Happy to have you. And Paula Colson, President and Founder with Arizona Women's Partnership Incorporated welcome to the studio. Thank you so much, Karen. Thrilled to have you. So we love to get started just by getting to know both of you and your organizations. We have plenty of time to have this conversation. So if you would please, I'm going to ask Paula to start for us. Tell us who you
1: are, about your organization, and then how did you land there? Okay. Thank you very much for this opportunity, Karen. I'm really excited about speaking to your audience. About 2002, I started the Arizona Women's Partnership uh, as an all-volunteer philanthropic nonprofit to focus on awarding grants to small charities that help women and children and families throughout the state of Arizona. In doing so, I had the originally the intention of raising $100,000 and calling it quits. However, I just got the ball rolling, and to date, we have awarded over $600,000 to over 90 charities throughout the state of Arizona. And they, in turn, serve about a quarter of a million people annually. And it's a very diverse population. We're very conscientious about that. We are reaching out to disadvantaged families, women, children, and also the refugee population and the immigrant population. So we've really happy about that. So my husband said to me, well, Paula, how are you going to raise all this money? Mm. You know, and so I thought about it. And because I was involved at the time with the culinary industry, although I love to eat and drink wine, (laughs) I'm not a chef or a real uh, professional cook. I thought, well, why don't I reach out to a number of the head chefs at the major resorts and hotels? And I said, where are the women in your kitchen? Because I don't see them. They must be invisible to the community. And they said, well, they're pastry chefs. And I said, well, I'm going to go home and think about this. I'm going to create an event. And that was our first fundraiser. It was called, it was a play on words, Getting Our Just Desserts. And because I had so many female chefs, come to the table and so many on hold, waiting to get in, I said to my husband, I said, Tim, I have to create another event. So I said, well, let's, let's think about this. The, uh, I like jazz music, I like wine. Why don't we call it Wine, Women, and Jazz? And we'll invite women who own small restaurants, do catering, or are sous chefs to the table. And so we had two concurrent events, getting our just desserts with 24 female pastry chefs, plus the wine distributors. And then we had wine, women and jazz at um, that one was at the Roots Carlton. The other one was at the Orange Tree Golf Resort. And they were so generous to us because the chefs were all were bringing the food. The wine distributors were bringing the wine. We didn't have to pay a uh, fee to the hotels. They were very, very generous. And so that's how we got the ball rolling. And so we had a website. On the website, we posted our grant application. We were looking for small charities that have an operating budget of uh, $450,000. They uh, couldn't be religious or political. And they had could be anywhere in the state, and they had to help women and or children or refugees in the state of Arizona. So that's how I started it. And one thing kind of led to the next, Karen, and it was amazing to me because I would need – obviously needed help because it takes a village to do all this, right? right? So I would post my quote-unquote job offerings on volunteermatch.org, and I had several – Colleges call me about their internship program. And so I had interns from ASU, Phoenix College, uh, the Art Institute. And then I also had a number of virtual volunteers, especially during the COVID period. So it was constant. I mean, then I would get more volunteers than I needed. So I would create more jobs (laughs) because I thought I don't want to turn them away. Mm -hmm. If they're willing to give their time and their talent to me. I'm, uh, not to me personally, but <clears throat> to the cause, then I'll find a way to make it happen for them. So my goodness, can you follow that act? <laughs> yes, he can.
2: I was going <laughs> yes, to say, I can. wish I had met you earlier because I too <laughs> like wine and food and jazz.
0: <laughs> Tell us about yourself, your role, and then of course the organization, David.
2: Yeah, I echo Paula's gratitude in having us here, Karen. My name is David Martinez. I'm a director at Vitalist Health Foundation And in my role at Vitalist, I have the great pleasure of meeting and working with very passionate, inspired people like Paula and a lot of the grant partners that they've been able to support over the years and leverage Vitalist resources for them. So in in my role at Vitalist, I direct our grants program, as well as our portfolio area that we call civic health. So how communities are coming together to improve the health of their neighbors and their communities and by extension, our great states here in Arizona. So for folks that aren't familiar with Vitalist Health Foundation, they might be familiar with the St. Luke's Hospital Systems here in Tempe and downtown Phoenix. Those used to be nonprofit hospitals. And in the mid 90s, they sold to a for-profit company and the endowments are, or the foundations of those hospitals separated out and formed what was then called St. Luke's Charitable Health Trust, then St. Luke's Health Initiative, and now Vitalist Health Foundation which is a play on words as well. Yeah. So we, we support the fidelity of our great states and wanna support catalytic thinking that is improving the health. So with the evolution of our brand uh, to Vitalist Health Foundation, so has, um, has our thinking uh, evolved with seeing health as more than just healthcare. So we recognize that while healthcare is very important to living um, a healthy life, there's so many more factors. The social determinants of health is often what we refer to it or the structural determinants of health. Those elements of a healthy community, like being able to to afford your house, mm-hmm. um, uh, have access to healthy local foods, a whole host of things. So our our portfolio is pretty broad, yeah. but we do. Focus primarily on housing, healthcare integration, that integration between the physical, uh, mental, and social determinants of health. And then as I mentioned, the portfolio area that I oversee called civic health. So we, we, in my role again, I get to meet folks like Paula and her great uh, grant partners to leverage the resources that we have at Vitalist for the state.
0: How did you two originally connect through this work, and how long has it been approximately for the two of you as leaders?
1: I think I met David at one of the uh, St. Luke's parties. Oh, perfect. (laughs) You know, people invite me to a party, I usually show up. <laughs> Again,
2: there's <laughs> a theme here, food, wine, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah,
0: stuffing, which that. was which was before we went live,
1: but stuffing, right? We need
0: to have a food, wine, and highlight stuffing.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> And so uh, David and I talked about, uh, you know, obviously what his role was with Vitalist, and maybe at that time it was actually St. Luke's. Once upon a time, a while ago, but, uh, for five years, I was a uh, consultant to the TAP program, which um, David oversees, is a technical assistance program for small nonprofits, whether you're helping them develop a board of directors, do fundraising, marketing, uh, develop an event, you know, that kind of tell their story. So the TAP program is an invaluable treasure for the nonprofit community. So I take my hat off to David again for facilitating that and continuing it.
2: Yeah, I certainly stand on the shoulders of giants that help build up that uh, program at Vitalist Health Foundation. Um, I can get really cheeky and nerdy and have kind of honed in on this utilization of acronyms and alliteration. So part of our capacity building program at Vitalist is to uh, leverage technical assistance partnerships or TAP because sometimes nonprofits just need a little TAP. No doubt about it. (laughs) They,
1: They get tapped out pretty easily because, you know, they're the ones that we're dealing with, with the Arizona Women's Partnership. And I'll give you an idea of some of them are operating on shoestring budgets. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, their operating budget has to be under 450000 Most of them are under 125000 And so they really are doing the most that they possibly can and filling the voids that exist in our society. So we focus on uh, domestic violence, child abuse, CSL programs, um, as I mentioned, refugee families, welfare to work of making those women uh, have a transition period. We also focus on the extracurricular activities that most of these families can't afford. So uh, a number of them deal with uh, musical, ins- providing musical instruments and instruction for uh, children here in the Valley and on the Navajo and Hopi Reservations. So mm-hmm. we're uh, we're really all over the state. As you can well imagine, Karen, um, David and I work with nonprofits that deal with crisis counseling. There's so much of a problem uh, in our society because of a variety of factors, you know. Um, so we, we work to closely together, too. And his source is very helpful to our grant recipients because every every two weeks, right, David? Mm-hmm. Every two weeks, David sends out a list of potential grantors, oh. and we post it on our website so that if uh, small nonprofits are looking for resources, they can go to his website or they can go to mine, and then they... Can also get on the distribution list so they can know when the deadlines are and not to wait until the last minute to ask for money. That's always a problem, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because you're basically going to leave something out of the application and it's not going to be accepted, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, Five years ago when I started at Vitalist, I worked to rebuild our capacity building program and then uh, eventually um, began to direct our grants program. And we had all these great resources um, that were streamlined, coordinated. I just needed to get them out, mm-hmm. get the word out about them. So thought, well, let me start an email distribution list. And again, with the cheekiness, I called it the tap tips email <laughs> that goes out on Tuesdays. Right. Of course,
0: <laughs> it all makes
2: sense. Exactly. Initially, it was just to promote Vitalist resources. Um, we had, again, rebuilt our capacity building and grants program. So we had a lot of resources to share. We have an open door policy. That's how we, we initially met. And we discover partnerships with groups that reach out to us, so we, we definitely uh, encourage uh, partners or prospective partners to visit our website at vitalishealth.org to discover partnership, um, whether it be our programmatic work in housing, healthcare integration, or civic health, um, or to explore the grant-making partnership opportunities we have, um, but our grant cycles are, while we have an open-door policy and we can discover partnerships throughout the year, we do have certain grant cycles Uh, to engage our board for approvals of those grants. So I um, wanted to share more grant opportunities. So our our list began to grow in the Mm -hmm. email distribution list, and it's become one of our most popular newsletters. And thankfully, we have great collaborative partners like LISC Phoenix that uh, promotes grant opportunities as well, like the Local First Arizona Economic Recovery Center, our neighbors here at the studio that also promote grant opportunities and then connect these very hardworking nonprofits. Profit professionals with grant coaching, grant writing, free resources so that they can be uh, successful in their grant applications and be able to support their great work.
1: Hmm. And it's been wonderful for not only for us, but also for our grant applicants and their you know, recipient, the recipients. I just want to share with you, Karen, and your audience, um, a number that we gave to this year. Uh, it's hard for me to say no, and not in our committee. We have a very, um, very conscientious committee. We look very closely, especially at the bottom line of these nonprofits that are, who are applying for our grants, because we're, we're, we've been entrusted with donations, and we want to make sure that they're used uh, correctly. Most of our grant recipients, I would say, of the 90, probably 75% are multi-year grant recipients. They can apply as long as they still are within our guidelines. For example, this year we awarded $33,500 about care for the elderly provides uh, services to the elderly in the East Valley. Alice's Place is in Winslow, Arizona, and they provide counseling and shelter for victims of domestic violence. There's a, a a nice one in Tucson that we like. It's called the Angel Heart Pajama Project because it you know if people leave on a domestic violence situation they have the clothes on their back and the children don't have the pajamas. So, so it's pajamas and bu- and uh, books for abused and neglected. Children, and then the Arizonans for the Protection of Exploited Children and Adults. These are girls who have been uh, sexually abused, and they're housed in the Northwest Valley. I won't tell you where, but um, they are provided instruction, and so they can get their GEDs and then become gamefully employed. Arizona Reach is a uh, program on the West Side, Avondale. And it's basically food insecurity for teenagers. Mm -hmm. People forget about these young people. They're growing, and they really need nourishment. Mm -hmm. So Arizona Reach uh, is a new one for us, uh, two years in the making. Ballet Folklorico, I mentioned to you, Quetzale, uh, they provide opportunities for Hispanic youth in the Mesa area. Books for classrooms, they provide books for the Tohono O'odham Nation in southern Arizona. I mean, the list goes on. Care for the caregivers, caregivers to, for disabled children. And uh, that's a very stressful environment to be in. Control-Alt-Delete provides services for women and children fleeing domestic violence in the Mesa area. Originally, they asked for money for... Um, uh, bus tickets. Now mm-hmm. they want. They need uh, car, uh, cards for um, gasoline mm-hmm. because they have cars. Desert sounds, performing arts, been with us for a long time. Musical instruments and, and instruction for low-income youth, mostly in Mesa. Dignity House. These are women who were prostitutes who are now seeking shelter. They were trafficked and they're uh, in Metro Phoenix. They're being taken care of I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, Esperanza Dance Project. Again, dance and music is a wonderful Mm -hmm. way in terms of looking at holistic health to transcend this catastrophic experience, traumatic experience that you had as a young person. Uh, The Grand Canyon Music Festival has a special component for Native American composers. They win win us for a couple of years now they're mostly navajo hopi and salt river pima youth composing music Beautiful. and i they send us their cd every year when they <laughs> apply for more money and we're just like blown away they have professional musicians playing their music but they've composed it and yo-yo ma went up this last year wow it's amazing he's an internationally yes. known cellist sure. Helping at-risk teens are also on the West Valley. And again, this one is one that's totally volunteer. Uh, they provide food for teenagers in those high schools that are in the West Valley. Neighbors who care, providing services for the elderly poor. The highest percentage of elderly poor, I think, in the United States, certainly in Arizona, are women, over 85%. Mm -hmm. So we know that that's going to be um, money well spent. Uh, Phoenix Legal Action Network, pro bono legal assistance to immigrant families. Mm -hmm. You know, this is another one where legal legal fees are so expensive that most families can't afford that. The Rising Youth Theater. This was a new one for us this year. It's a multi-generational artistic program focused on Title I schools. Most of these children in the Title I schools don't have exposure to uh, the arts. And uh, as you well know, in Arizona, the funding for arts education has been cut way, way back. And that's an integral part. You know, in terms of critical thinking skills, creative thinking skills, we need to do that. Mm -hmm. The Somali American uh, United Council of Arizona, they're an umbrella organization like the Arizona Alliance of Nonprofits, for 15 refugee groups in the Phoenix metro area, you know, when you incorporate your name, you can't change it. So I asked them about that. I said, if it says Somali-American, everybody's going to think they're all Somalis, and they're not. They're from, uh, as I mentioned, about 15 different uh, refugee groups. The Sounds Academy was new for us this year. is also a music program for underserved youth, and uh, that's valley-wide. Sounds of Autism is basically supportive services for populations dealing with autism. Uh, uh, You know, I think the um, ability to uh, detect and define autism is uh, growing with the amount of research that's being done. Village of the Valley is a supportive pathway for programs for women who have survived abuse. You know, it's one thing to get them out of the environment, but it's really important to do the counseling That they need. And then, yes, for Navajo youth, they've been with us for about 15 years. Uh, The fellow who started it was a a high school teacher on the reservation, and he wanted to make sure that the children had the right path in life, that they didn't get, you know, sidetracked into drugs and alcohol. And so they uh, do they got them running marathons, half marathons, biking across the reservation, cleaning up the trails. It, it, it's it's wonderful. The other one I want to mention, and then I'll turn this over to uh, David, was uh, one that's no longer within our, there are a number who have grown out of our, you know, our uh, guidelines is a welcome to America. Mm. Now, uh, the gal who started his brother-in-law was killed in the 9-11 attack, mm. and she didn't want. Refugees to feel unwelcome because of what had happened. So she created Welcome to America, and she received the CNN Hero Award for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so they provide uh, household items to books and clothing now to the refugee families that come here. Another one that uh, was is no longer part of our uh, family, if you will. Uh, they became a multimillion dollar nonprofit is Gabriel's Angels. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, putting children and dogs together. What could be better? <laughs> the dogs have to be trained so that they are uh, passive. And the children love petting them, washing them, hugging them, kissing them. And it's, it's developing a sense of trust after you've been abused because they take the dogs to the crisis center and also to the um, shelters. Yes,
0: very familiar with a good portion of those. I'm pretty proud of myself for the six years that I've owned Phoenix Business Radio X. We've had a lot of those folks on there, executive directors, donors. Uh, corporate partnerships so I'm really thrilled to have uh, have you here today and I feel like it's important to give Elena Thornton a shout out oh, yes <laughs> definitely. because she's the one who introduced us and said you must have Paula on <laughs> and Paula was smart enough to bring David so yes, shout out to our friend Elena you. and her um, advocacy and love for the arts of course in fact uh, Blue Guitar Magazine. Are you familiar with yes, them? Yes, of course. I'm a featured poet in in their edition this month. They just came out yesterday. And she we were talking about poetry when she and uh, her husband were on a segment with me. And she's like, Karen, you've got to submit your poetry. So I did. There And I'm published now.
1: Wonderful. And,
0: and Unity. This is totally a little bird walk. But Unity... Um, Organization also has a daily word uh, publication. And so a second poem at another friend's prompting will be published. So it's really neat to hear how we can support each other, right? Clearly, this collaborative effort. Uh, That's really one of my favorite things about the Greater Phoenix Mm -hmm. business community. And that includes, of course, nonprofit, higher ed. So thank you, Paula, for those great shout outs for those people that you represent. I'm curious, David, in your world and what you're doing uh, with your group. Are there any other partnerships um, or the structure of partnerships that you would like to highlight right now?
2: Yeah, that that is such an impressive list, Paula. And I'm always surprised when I hear your your partnerships because they just represent – just incredible people that are doing the most with the least Mm -hmm. and throughout the state, you have great tribal representation there, great rural representation. I'm originally from rural Southern Arizona. So I always appreciate an opportunity to move resources to rural communities because they are so under-resourced, but as your list is testament to there are um, great things happening uh, throughout the state, but certainly in rural and tribal communities. Um, so while Vitalis is based in Phoenix, we have partnerships throughout the state. Um, our grant-making partnership opportunities um, are a little bit different than some funders. Um, the, we focused on an upstream public health approach to improving health. Um, that is, really means that we look at, um, we try to support efforts that tackle the root causes of issues, um, that are are barriers um, to improving the health of people and our communities. That change often includes some sort of policy or practice change or a greater systemic or environmental change. So our grants program, our largest grants program, is simply called System Change Grants because we want to change Mm -hmm. the system uh, that is putting up barriers for people in Arizona to live a healthy life. So we have a system change grant program. Uh, that also includes uh, what we call the spark grant. That is a more of a one year planning grant to spark the concept toward systems change. And then maybe the year after or the year after that, you're in a better position to apply for a larger systems change grant. And we have so many awesome partners. We're now in our tenth year of this grants program. They are increasingly from rural parts of Arizona, which is fantastic. We have two in Santa Cruz County. One is it's called Border Youth Tennis Exchange, and I remember when I first read this um, initial application, I thought, okay, we're we're a health foundation. What, how, how would we support a tennis organization? But the way that they're they're doing their work is obviously they're on in the borderlands of Arizona and Mexico. Um, they're working with especially migrant centers that uh, where children and in, increasingly amount of migrant and asylum seekers are finding themselves, obviously have experienced a tremendous amount of trauma from their home countries and then in their journey to America. And the entry point to uh, addressing those traumas is often through physical activity that is facilitated by volunteers and staffers and in sports like tennis. So um, Border Youth Tennis Exchange, or BITE, is uh, training these coaches in trauma-informed practices so that when they're interacting with these youth, um, they can approach their trauma in a different way to kind of um, uh, address it and make sure that they're getting the support they need Mm -hmm. through tennis. It's, it's incredible work. I love it. The other one is uh, also based in Nogales and Santa Cruz County is Mm -hmm. constructing circles of peace. And there is a great collaborative, a great partner. See, we have shared partnerships. (laughs) I love this. They have brought together law enforcement, the justice system in the County the school district drug prevention organizations, and again, tackling this comprehensive coordinated system of care. Because Nogales is a small community, Santa Cruz County is an under-resourced county, everyone knows everybody in these small towns, and they're doing their best to coordinate these systems of care, but they just needed a little bit more support. So over, um, uh, I think we're in year two of the three-year grant to try to continue to support that coordination so that they can address every aspect in a family's need, especially with victim of domestic violence mm-hmm. and again, children and families that have experienced trauma. Um, and then I'll swing up north, actually, to mm-hmm. Flagstaff. We have a phenomenal partnership with the Coconino Coalition for Children and Youth, again, in a coalition of partners from sort of the I-40 uh, mm-hmm. corridor in northern Arizona, from, from the, the tri-county area all the way to the Navajo Nation, that is tackling trauma with especially tribal youth, tribal communities, rural communities. And they're working with the city of Flagstaff and Coconino County to try to inform uh, their policies at the city and county level with this trauma lens to take a whole person approach to improving the health of those communities, especially that have faced trauma. And I participated in one of their conferences um, a couple years ago and this is heavy stuff that these partners are dealing with and mm-hmm. trying to address. Trauma is a really heavy uh, heavy situation. And there's there's science that shows that there, trauma becomes intertwined in your DNA. So there's intergenerational uh, uh, trauma that exists. But uh, one of the speakers at the Coconino Coalition for Children and Youth Conference said, there, we know that there's intergenerational trauma that exists, but that also means that there's intergenerational solutions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the coalition has brought together young people, tribal elders. It is an incredible journey that they've been on. And I think going to make a really big impact for the people uh, in Northern Arizona. So that's just a little taste of a couple of our partners. I I feel like I have the best job because I get to work with people like Paula and people like from Santa Cruz County, from Coconino County that are doing just awesome work.
1: I feel the same way. And uh, (laughs) Circles of Peace was one of our first grant recipients and they Outgrew us because Beautiful. it's wonderful. That's <laughs> what we that like to How does that feel for you?
0: You must feel like a, a mama bird letting the yes, little birds fly out I of the nest. <laughs>
1: so good about that. I do want to share uh, something else um, with your listeners. We never know where... Um, support is going to come from. And I think more and more companies are realizing how important it is to them, not only from a business perspective, but also for their employees to get involved in the nonprofit community, whether they're volunteering or they're donating. And as as you can tell, small donations add up. I believe that it takes a village no matter Mm -hmm. what. So to that point, you know, people are now putting on Facebook, you know, it's my birthday. Please give to this charity. that char-. Invariably, they're large charities. So that's where I came in. You know, let's focus on the smaller charities where your money really makes a huge impact. So to that, I just want to share this with you. I uh, About 15 years ago, I received a phone call and uh, this fellow gentleman said, uh, I just heard about the Arizona Women's Partnership. Tell me about it. So I gave him the elevator speech, right? He said, okay, I'll send you a check, thinking I was going to usually get $100. (laughs) And I get $10,000. And he does it again. Of course, I sent him a thank you letter. But (laughs) I called him and I said, look, I don't know you. Let's have a cup of coffee and sit down. And uh, I want to discuss more about what you're doing. Turned out that his maternal grandmother had left money. And she wanted the three grandchildren who were in three different states to um, give the money to charities that helped women and children. So bingo, you know, we were there. So after coffee, I said to him, oh, well, our grant review committee is meeting. I usually feed them lunch, so they all show up. Yeah. You know, to usually we have 10 or 12 Great people. Great tactic. Yeah, very good tactic. <laughs> and so we eat first, and then we decide, and then we have coffee and dessert. So he came, and he pulled me aside. This is after the second year, okay? going on to the third year. He said, what if I give you more money? Mm. I said, well, gee, I felt almost guilty at that point. (laughs) And I said, well, why don't you select from, uh, you know, usually we have 15 charities that we give to this year. We got a little carried away with 20 some (laughs) odd. And he said, no, you're so conscientious. Mm. I feel so comfortable with your process because we've made it really... I think easy, and obviously, you know, my husband's a retired CPA, so he first looks at the finances, mm. and then he sends it over to me. <laughs> Go for it, and it so it takes a village. <laughs> it takes a village, right? And so he just kept doing it for fifteen years. Mm. It was more than the ten thousand; it came up to about three hundred yeah, thousand at the end. of That it was one of those things. And then one of the couples um, who, who were at the um, grant review committee. Uh, Second marriage for both of them. They said, uh, we're going to get married, blah, blah, blah. We don't need anything. What if we tell all of our guests to give money to the Arizona Women's Partnership? I said, are you sure you want to do that? They pulled me aside. I was uh, I I do photography work and so I was having a show downtown and they pulled me aside and I was like so stunned, you know, they, they, they we have to talk to you. Yeah. Oh, I like to hear that, right? Yeah,
2: there you know, there's so much negativity happening in the world. Um Wars. Obviously, we have been experienced a lot with the pandemic. But one of the things that I love in my role at Vitalist and getting to work with people like Paula and the, the very generous donors that she has with the partnership is there are so many generous people. Yes. Arizona is, is gets a bad rap for a lot of different reasons. You know, black guys with late night com- comedians, you know, making jokes about the state. But there are so many generous people that are that are doing incredible work, both on the donor side and on the nonprofit partnership yeah. side.
1: You're so right, David.
0: That's one of the things I love so much about the work that we do here yes. is that it's around education. Mm-hmm. It's around sharing the stories, of, as you both have been doing, and making sure people are aware of all the opportunities that we have to give and to support yeah. as kind of a silly example, but a powerful example, I went to high school here in Tempe, and uh, we just celebrated our 40th uh, class reunion, and we connected with our school, McClintock High School, which is now a Title I school, Mm -hmm. and we made sure that we had a couple of the kids come and help with registration both nights, that sort of thing. We had memorabilia, and the VP of students came and spoke about how much the school had changed since 40 years ago, and how important legacy is, right? Well, I shared that story because at the end of the night, one of our classmates came up to the VP and said, I want to help contribute and wrote a check, wow. a substantial check for $50,000 and said, "Like much like this gentleman said to you, when you're ready for more and there's a, a greater need, please connect with me. Wow. So I share that. Obviously, you two know that. Maybe some of our viewers and listeners who are representing some of these smaller organizations. And oftentimes, when we are involved in a, in a charitable organization where we're looking to help out, we don't know how to ask. And the ask is everything, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We must be able to educate, get the word out, and really just put ourselves in positions like today doing this interview, and even the great work that you both have been doing, help support people to get the the help that they need. So love that you've been sharing these stories.
1: And I think David will agree with me that Uh, For us to get the word out, the media has been especially generous. Good. No, seriously, over these years, because I've been doing this for 21 years now. As I said, I was going to stop, but I couldn't, (laughs) you know. But I I must say that... when I was doing the uh, Pastry Chef and the other uh, Wine, Women, and Jazz event, uh, I made sure that all the chefs got on TV even if there were three cooking one thing, you know, one was pouring something, one was mixing something, I just wanted them to have the exposure and I would say that the TV stations and the radio and obviously this podcast is extremely helpful to us because we can't afford, we're all volunteers, Mm -hmm. uh, nobody gets paid in the Arizona Women's Partnership and uh, we are are so dependent and so grateful to the media for helping us out to get the word out. And now
2: with social media,
1: of course, we're all everywhere. So have yeah, you found that you. too,
0: David, that the that media is supportive of you and the organizations that you help?
2: Yeah. You know, Paula and I were talking uh, before the show that, you know, we live in the biggest or the smallest big city yes. <laughs> in America. I know a lot of cities say that. I feel like everyone knows everyone in some way. You know, I'm surprised I haven't met Kevin Bacon, actually. You know, six degrees <laughs> of separation here. But um, there aren't very many native Arizonans or Arizonans. I still don't believe you You graduated 40 years ago, Karen. True. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you, you know, a lot of people that are, you know, maybe watch the news uh, and see the doom and gloom of the world and feel down, just do the simple act of, one, get to know your neighbor. Because yes. <laughs> you never know. Uh, what good can come of that? We have a great partnership with the Center for the Future of Arizona that uh, sets the Arizona We Want uh, agenda, and they do polling through the Gallup Organization of Arizonans. And uh, a while back, their data had showed just just 12% of Arizonans knew who their neighbor was. Oh. And I oh, thought, yeah. well, if we want to work on improving our democracy and improving our state, do that simple task of getting to know your neighbor and uh, one up, get to know your your local charity. Um, your school, your local elementary school, or your church down the street that you might go to and find great opportunities to volunteer or to give charitably. And it doesn't have to be a lot of money. I was just at the Association of Fundraising Professionals' uh, luncheon. And these are all uh, fundraisers for nonprofits throughout the state. And uh, we, they honored um, some very generous people. There was one um, that was being honored uh, and recognized, a volunteer with Honor Health. And her uh, children, when they were born, had to go to the NICU. And they got better, thanks to the great uh, nurses and staff at Honor Health, and to give back, she simply started to host a tea mm-hmm. with all of her friends and raised, I think maybe ten or twenty thousand dollars initially. I can't remember. Now it's an annual event that raises a half a million dollars.
0: Oh, fantastic! Uh,
2: incredible people. There's another group, um, the Chandler Compadres, uh, a group of men yep. in Chandler that get together raise money, just like the Arizona Women's Partnership, and gives it to especially at-risk youth in Chandler. So these are just people that are connecting with their neighbors Mm -hmm. and and making a tremendous impact for their community.
0: I love that you've shared all those tips and really uh, speaking to our listeners and viewers. I know a lot of people who are in business for themselves or they're working for a corporation And they've said to me since COVID, really, like, I want to be passionate about something outside of work and my my little community, Mm -hmm. right? I want to know how to get involved, and I don't know how to help, or I don't know where to start. And what I hear you saying is, just start somewhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, just to keep it locked in your brain and kind of, you know, lamenting around, what do I do and don't do, and waiting for the right thing to be inspired, go and experience, go volunteer, go help out, ask where you can put in your time and effort, doesn't have to be financial. And I have a sense that you're going to find your niche and know right where you you need to be planted to help an organization or a community grow.
1: You're so right, Karen. And I uh, want to say that with VolunteerMatch.org, even if you're just kind of looking. Window shopping for something to do. You put in a few keywords. For example, if you're interested in the environment, you put that in there. If you're interested only in doing something virtually at home, you put that in there, and you you you'll be surprised uh, what the opportunities are. It's just as you said. It's just unbelievable, and there's no end to it, right? And you could look at our list. We have 90 charities listed there. (laughs) You can find one that, and we have the bios on a number of them. They have their uh, we have a uh, a, fa- a file there with all their uh, contact information, what their goals are, what their mission statement is. So I'm I'm guessing that it's it's there. It, it is there. There's plenty of need. I, I should say that because uh, I did not mention the um, the website. It's very simple. azwp.org, Arizona Women's Partnership. And we also, because as I mentioned before, volunteers come and say, gee, I want to help you, but my forte is videography. So I thought about it, and I had this one student take photographs of our grant recipients, and we call it Faces of Hope. And I enlarged them thanks to you know, a local uh, camera shop that paid for all that. And we took them to all the community colleges, ASU. The idea was to encourage students to volunteer, Mm -hmm. you know, think about it, not necessarily for those charities, but to give back to the community. And I think there's a real longing in our society for exactly what you're saying, Karen, people just don't know how to do it, how to make that connection and to, to do, to do, go for it. And it's so enriching. Uh, Gibran is a, a philosopher that I like and, he has a book called The Prophet. And in it, he has this saying that says, when you give of yourself, you truly give. Mm-hmm. And it really makes you feel wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. so. Beautiful. I'm
0: curious, since this is Business Radio X, yeah. uh, could you speak directly to our business uh, owners and our business leaders? How can they get directly involved with you and, of course, the, the organizations that you serve? But to that, specific audience, what is the best way for them to discover how they can best support what you're doing? David, could you start for us?
2: Sure. Yeah, there are great corporate philanthropists throughout the city, Phoenix, Metro Phoenix, certainly Arizona. And I think there are a lot of ways that folks can get involved. I think especially for the larger corporations, they have community affairs offices or corporate philanthropists. Um, We work really closely with an entity that is now called AZ Impact for Good. It is formerly the Alliance of Arizona Nonprofits that merged with the Arizona Grantmakers Forum. That's a great way to start for even small businesses that are looking at ways to build up their corporate philanthropy. Certainly as an as a entity, you can contribute. But this is another great way to engage your employees as well to help people find their place and and make them proud to be from their hometown or their where they live certainly our our great state Arizona finding a local nonprofit charity that you can adopt and embrace especially in the spirit of giving in the season of giving Uh, that's an easy um, way to do that spend a day allow your employees to take a kind of volunteer day off and go to the food bank and uh, help pack emergency food boxes which we know is still a critical issue here coming into the holidays where people don't have uh, a turkey or stuffing to to put on their table and set up employee match programs so both volunteer matching, but if your business has an opportunity to match contributions from your employees, that's another great easy way to show that you care about the community where your employees are from, that you uh, care about our states. And if you need any assistance from this, definitely connect with this great organization, AZ Impact for Good, which can connect you with those uh, corporate philanthropy opportunities.
0: So even the smaller business owner, right, that may only have five or six employees, why not encourage them then to also include the stakeholders, their vendors, their customers, that sort of thing, and find a charitable organization that they can wrap their arms around? It's interesting. A dear friend of mine, Lisa Rehrg owns RF- RFP Success. A lot of her teammates are outside of the state, but once a year they come together. And I saw pictures of their team the other day doing an Adopt a Highway cleanup. Oh, right, yeah. so th- there is, as you both have pointed out, there is the need. Mm-hmm. Find what really speaks to your heart. What What experiences have had you have you had in your life that have you a champion for different aspects of our community that's in need? And and go find that connection. Uh, speak if you would, please, Paula. To again, how business leaders, women, perhaps in particular, can get involved with your organization and best support what you're doing.
1: Well, thank you very much for the opportunity again, uh, Karen. I think in terms of the entrepreneurs, uh, the entrepreneurs that are, are focused on small businesses, maybe there's only two or three of them. And I think that uh, you know what David is saying is very true. You know, you develop this core of support, whether it's a, in his case, case large corporations but in in our case it's the smaller uh not uh, businesses um and s- women constitute i think 75 percent of the new businesses that are being established here in wow. the state of arizona it's amazing um i had the opportunity to go to uh, a restaurant that i had seen focused on pbs and it's female owned mm-hmm. and the place was packed and i was so happy to see that it was in north scottsdale i don't want to <laughs> you know, give the advertising to one person and not somebody else. But I think the other way is that, unfortunately, during the course of our lives, people pass on. My, my friend, a, a close friend of mine passed away, and her, her husband gave donation in her name. And so we have a number of those listed on our website. The point being that most of the time that money goes to large charities, you know, that's what people think of. Uh, not to take anything away from them. But the fact is that there's so much need at the other end, and for smaller uh, entrepreneur entrepreneurial businesses, maybe that's the way to go, rather than to get lost in the shuffle uh, where your your logo will appear on their website. I mean, we're, our grants aren't that large, you know. In the in the final analysis, and our logos on just about every one of our <laughs> grant recipient websites, mm-hmm. and there, you know, so that's good social promotion, you know, uh, when you say conscious capitalism, I think that's where it's at. That's you what know? it is. All yeah. stakers win, Thank
0: reciprocating you. each other, yeah. supporting each other. I love that you pointed that out with the small business leaders. They can relate, likely, to the um, grassroots efforts and the yeah. volunteerism that's required to have some of these smaller nonprofits succeed so that some of them can graduate and have this <laughs> massive, Um, impact that you spoke to as some of the folks have come through your grant program. I love that. So as we kind of wind up our Um, conversation, if you can believe, I know we're we're almost finished with our conversation (laughs) today, but as Paula said, when we were in the green room, both of you each could have a full hour (laughs) to yourself. And I have no doubt. I love that. I would love to hear from you personally, as well as professionally, why this work for you? Like, does it go back to an an event in your life or even just the way you're raised or somebody who influenced you David, would you mind starting for us? Why this work? Why is this who you are in the industry today?
2: A person that inspired me, inspires me still, is my mom who passed away earlier this year. And I always tell the story of her because it gets to the point we were just making with you can have the least and do the most. My mom uh, was a uh, a homemaker, a housewife, stay-at-home mom of six kids in rural southern Arizona, uh, in a town called Morana, just outside of Tucson. And our neighborhood was a very poor neighborhood. There weren't a lot of resources, including childcare. And we know childcare is a huge issue today. Even when you can find childcare, it is so unaffordable. And we're trying to tackle that collaboratively with a lot of different partners. But when I was growing up with my five siblings, my mom saw this need for child care. So even though she still had to raise us six kids, opened up the doors to our home, mm-hmm. and became the neighborhood babysitter, mm-hmm. and she, uh, we didn't have much, but she saw that community need, met the community need, and helped raise the kids in our neighborhood, and when she passed away earlier uh, this year, uh, I was down in my hometown with my family, and we um, we took my dad out to to lunch the table next to us was uh, somebody that I thought I'd recognize, and she was a staff member at our elementary school, and she had heard that my mom had passed and got up and said, are you the Martinez kids? Because mm. she remembered us all from elementary school, and she had the nicest things to say about my mom, and she remembered that she was, thought she was crazy, first of all, for raising six kids and then becoming the neighborhood ch- uh, babysitter, <laughs> but she just said the nicest things about my mom and how she really, and everyone at the school really appreciated that she stepped up and met that community need. There are heroes like that, like my mom, throughout the state. And again, doing the most with the least. And I think Paula and I are in such great privileged uh, positions to leverage resources, to try to support those uh, heroes. And that really is what inspires my work at Vitalist Health Foundation. I get to work with a a great team of folks at Vitalist Health Foundation and the Technical Assistance Partnership of Arizona or TAP-AZ, great peer colleagues in the funder network as well. I I know, again, there's a lot of doom and gloom in the world. There's a lot of negativity, but again, there's so many passionate, inspiring heroes in the state. Uh, So get to know your neighbor. Find your favorite local nonprofit and do what you can, just like my mom did. Mm.
1: I uh, Thank you, David. And uh, your mom, I'm sorry, I've never met her. It sounds like a wonderful mm-hmm. woman. I am, I'm the daughter of immigrants. And so my parents really didn't want to talk about their childhood because it was so traumatic. My father was a newsie. On Second Avenue and Second Street in New York City, when he was like ten years old, and then uh, when he was sixteen, he got a job with the New York Times, sweeping the floors, and then he joined the union, and so he stayed there for forty-two years. Wow. He brought home the New York Times every day. Uh, he came home because he worked nights, came home about eight o'clock as we were leaving for school, and we we had to read it. I mean, that was he said the key to success in our society is through education. Love and that. my mother felt the same way. She be, she was a self taught seamstress, yeah, you know, working in the sweatshops in New York City. But at that time, New York City was a fashion center, and so she worked for the she got to work for the top designers because she was really conscientious and good. And her dresses would appear in Saks window or Bond would tell Teller, but they always told us that never take for granted what you have. Mm-hmm. Now, they're telling us this, and there's six of us in a one-bedroom apartment with my grandfather, and my father turns a closet into his uh, photo studio. He develops the photographs there because he, he uh, photography was his hobby. They They saved enough money to buy a house, but they always said, always look back and help the next person. Don't take anything for granted. And so that was was my upbringing, and I thought, when we came here, coming from New York City, you can make a lot happen here, and I think David sees that. This is a big, small town. Once you get connected, you know how to get the ducks in a row, Mm -hmm. and you have them quacking your song. (laughs) No, seriously. I was uh, president of women in management for a corporation here, a large corporation, and I thought, you know, why don't I do something for the women of Arizona? This was back in the day, and so I came up with this idea, and I contacted women who also had management positions within the corporation. I said, if I can pull this off, would you support me? Mm-hmm. You know, you in Flagstaff, you in Payson, you in Prescott, you in Yuma, you in Tucson. Mm-hmm. They all said yes. So with that idea, I took it to women who had executive positions with women's organizations. And I said, like, I got this idea, blah, blah, blah. Would you support me? Yes, we would. So I approached the governor and I said, look, I have this idea I'd like to hear proclaimed for Arizona women. And he said, OK, sounds like a good idea. I will <laughs> appoint two of my special assistants to help you. Okay, mm. I'm like, okay. So I'm doing this in conjunction with my job. So I don't sleep anymore, right? <laughs> i drinking a lot of coffee. But I saw that you can make things happen. If you have a vision and you're willing to do the work and you really don't, need the credit for it. That's another important yes. issue. Let other people take credit for it and sometimes position it so they think it was their idea. It gets done. I was only going to have five events this year, that year, and I wound up with 100. Mm-hmm. Had to take a leave of absence from my job, convinced the Arizona Republic to do a su- special supplement, was contacted by the President's Council on Health and Fitness to do a fi- fitness se- <laughs> session down at the at the uh, conference center, It just kind of went on and on. So a couple of years ago, I decided that I was going to do a women's art show. I was going to curate it. And I pulled together a jury, uh, a diverse jury, Black, Hispanic, Native American, Asian American, and Anglo women. And uh, we did it. We had in celebration of women. And unfortunately, COVID closed the show down. It was at the Herberger. And then we took it two years later at the Arizona State Capitol The Arizona Women's Partnership was the featured nonprofit. That was part of the deal. I'm doing all this work for free. (laughs) The Arizona Women's Partnership will be part of this. And um, I was contacted again this year. So the show is now, uh, it's a different show. We have now 38 women artists. It's at the Arizona State Capitol Museum until December 16th. Hmm.
0: Wow! Wow! <laughs> the two of you—so inspiring.
2: Both you of you. I'm so glad to know you, Paula. <laughs> my pleasure.
1: My pleasure to know both of you. Oh, oh my, my goodness! Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Day, yeah.
0: The great thing about the timing of our conversation today—and again, I'm deeply appreciative, of Elena Thornton, for <laughs> yes. the introduction—is that Giving Tuesday is coming up mm. in five days. Am I right? Or Wait, today's. Today's. In a week. <laughs> yeah, in a week. Yes, I—I don't even know what day it is. What is time? <laughs> right. Anyway, soon. In a week. Uh, Giving Tuesday. So it's a great opportunity, again, to uh, put yourself out there, start connecting with the charitable causes that are interest to you. And if you're not sure which one you want to run with long term, go play around and and give where you can and and offer your support. Uh, Let's finish up our segment today by each of you, again, just uh, letting us know the name of your organization, where we can find you on the World Wide Web, and then what social media outlets um, make sense for us to follow you as well.
2: Yeah, I'm uh, glad to uh, work at Vitalist Health uh, Foundation. You can find us at vitalisthealth.org. And we're on most of the socials, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, and Instagram. Uh, So happy to engage with uh, the business uh, sector and with Inspired Arizonans. So don't hesitate to reach out.
0: And David, are you yourself on LinkedIn?
2: I am on LinkedIn as And it's as Vitalist,
0: well. on, they have a page on LinkedIn as well. Yes. Very important for our business leaders. And we are broadcasting live video on LinkedIn. So David Martinez, and is it so, does it say the third on there the as well? third. Very good. I love it. Thank you again
1: for spending your precious time with us Thanks, today. Karen. Paula, close us out, please. Okay. Paula Cullison and it's the Arizona Women's Partnership, azwp.org. We're on all the social media outlets and I'm I'm also on all the social media outlets, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Well, it's not longer Twitter, <laughs> but anyhow, LinkedIn. Uh, so, And we are putting together, as a matter of fact, I just sent it out this morning, a video of the reception at the Arizona Capitol Museum. It'll be on our website, but the other videos are there. There's, there's a lot of information on our website, azwp.org.
0: So good. Thank oh my you. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. Such a pleasure. So, you've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio broadcasting live from the Max Six Entrepreneurial Center. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean community advocacy through partnerships and nonprofits. Until next time, Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening.